Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode eight of the Friends Are Far Out podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jay, and I'm joined by the wonderful M. Hello, everyone. And also this week, we are joined by a very special guest, Dougie. Hi, everyone. Hello, world. This is Dougie. There it is. Friends Are Far Out is, of course, a gaming podcast for all those who enjoy gaming with friends. And uh, the Friends Are Far Out podcast lives in that cozy spot where we find games for both young children and anxious adults and perhaps sometimes those who enjoy herbal refreshment as well. From time to time. (laughs) Maybe. You know, occasionally. All right. M, episode eight and our first guest. I know. Exciting stuff. (laughs) The excitement is palpable. I I know. And, you know, a very special guest really traveled far to be here together. I appreciate that he that he traveled all the way here to uh, to be with us. Yeah. (laughs) Can I say where from where can you hear me? Let me get a little closer. We're sharing a microphone. Traveled from our home. The, The couch over there. Yes, but, you know, for some, the distance is not important, but uh, just the arduous, how arduous the journey was. So getting from the couch over to here, definitely still an adventure. So we're not 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 too cozy. No, no, no. And that definitely uh, will will fit in with our episode today for sure. Oh, good. All right. Well, we're going to start today's show where we start every show. And that is by taking a dip into the bargain bin. Digging through the bargain bin. Yes, digging into the bargain bin. Again, imagine for yourself, listeners, the future sound effect that will be here of people digging through. We still have to go record that audio. The calming effects, the calming sound effects of digging through the DVDs at a a big box store, if you will. Yes, (laughs) and people arguing over which ones they had. And hey, that one was mine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, perfect. All right. So, um, Em, do you want to get us started? What's your first pick in the bargain bin this week? Sure. My first pick in the bargain bin this week is Yonder, the Cloud Catcher Chronicles, which is one of my favorite games, I think, ever. It is $16.79. It is down from $29.99, so that's 44% off. And this is probably the coziest game I've ever played, which you're going to need this as a palate cleanser with what um, is going to happen on this podcast here today. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. On today's show, people are going to need your picks to just help (laughs) wash away the memories from the podcast today. Um, Yeah, so I knew this one was on sale this week because I happened to get an alert because I remember putting it on my uh, list when you talked about it a few weeks back. Yeah, you told me this was on sale. <laughs> hey, friends are far out. Because friends are far out. <laughs> they are. All right. So um, some people may notice that some of my picks this week are definitely a departure from the type of game that we normally pick. And again, we're being a little coy, but anyone who's listening to the podcast has already downloaded it and possibly looked at the description already. <laughs> so... It may not be that much of a a surprise, but maybe people are just listening. But my first pick in the bargain bin is a game called Hades. Hades is $16.24. That's down 35% uh, from $24.99. That matches its previous low uh, of all time. 
Now, Dougie, I know you have some experience with this game, Hades, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's a really fun game. Um, it's a roguelike, which is a genre of game that I have a little bit of experience playing. Um, so I played The Binding of Isaac. Um, another one I really like, Dead Cells, is really fun. Also, you know, going to be in line for the topic of, of this show. I don't think we're going to talk about it, but... Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, Hades, great game. Um, it's uh, not a game I beat yet, but I think you have. Yeah, I have. I have. I did beat it. I beat it on Switch, and um, you know, I'll tell you one thing I really like about Hades. As you said, it is it is a, a roguelike, but a lot of times, you know, with a roguelike, you find yourself doing the same thing over and over again, sort of trying to to play another run. It's you know, they're sort of run based like that. But what I love about this one is. Uh, the way it's it's uh, set, it really works in some story into the uh, into that that um, that mode, that roguelike roguelike mode. And like, you know, that's sometimes hard to do, but they're able to do it because uh, you're playing as the son of Hades, as the name implies. So it's it's, you know, deeply steeped in Greek mythology. And um, and it, it's it's all part of it that, you know, you're trying to kind of escape the underworld. And uh, when you fail, well, then you find yourself back in uh, your father's chamber and, you know, you have to start again to try to escape again. So it's pretty cool how it uh, it weaves in uh, the story into it, because a lot of times a roguelike is sort of story light. But uh, this one, you know, gives a good reason for why you keep trying over and over again. So I thought that was pretty cool. So, again, a lot of game there for sixteen dollars and twenty four cents for sure. The only cozy aspect of the game though is mm -hmm. you can pet that dog you sure can you sure can you can pet cerberus the three-headed dog who guards can i pet uh, the that gates dog of the underworld yep that yep. should be a segment on future check episodes. yeah oh that will be a future show i'm sure where some of the games that we're going to mention the non-cozy games that we will mention you will be able to pet that dog and we will tell you which dogs you'll be able to pet <laughs> So it will be not to worry. We still have your back. Yes, indeed. <laughs> All right. So, Em, what's your next pick? Okay. So, um, I've not played this, but it's been on my wish list, and it's a dollar ninety nine. So both the first and the second game are dollar ninety nine. Both games are nine ninety nine, so they're both down eighty percent. It's Daddish and Daddish Two. It's a platformer, which I usually don't go for, but it's so cutesy and cozy that I might go for it. You're a radish dad looking for your radish children. So, yeah, I, I could. It's pretty cute. Now, I know absolutely nothing about this game, <laughs> but I will tell you when I saw the name Daddish, I thought to myself, if you are not a radish dad... It's a missed opportunity because that name screams Radish Dad. So. It's, you're an anthropomorphic radish with a face. Mm -hmm. yeah, Very cute. Yes, you do. Um, and I think it's the color scheme is really cute, pixelated, very cute. So I would, that's a platformer I could get into just by like, you're a radish dad, you're trying to save your radish children. I'd be like, okay, sold. There it is. They, you had and me. there's two yeah. games. I'll play two times. Do it. Let's do it. All right. Awesome. All right. My next pick in the bargain bin, Alien Isolation. 
That is a game that we will talk about a lot later. Um, <laughs> that one is $17.49 on the Switch. You can get it on a lot of different platforms, but again, it is on sale this week uh, on the Switch. That's down 50% from its normal price of $34.99, and that matches its previous low as well. Uh, again, we'll dive deep into it later, but um, I have always been a big fan of the Alien franchise. Uh, you know, uh, the movies have, you know, been wildly different through the years. I mean, uh, Alien and then Aliens, those are very, very different movies, but I enjoy both of them. Um, and Alien Isolation was, uh, you know, a really interesting addition to sort of that franchise, uh, and of course, in the version of a game. But we will talk about that a little bit more later, but uh, a very cool experience there, Alien Isolation, again, on sale this week. So we'll talk more, we'll save most of that talk for later. All right. And what's your last pick? All right. And the opposite of that experience <laughs> <laughs> is what I'm pretty sure is an actual children's game, not for adults. <laughs> mm-hmm. Again, these are two different games, and they're both $1.99, and they're down from $9.99, so the same as Daddish and Daddish 2. So down 80% is Teddy the Wanderer, and two different games – you can go on a mountain hike is one game, or you could go kayaking. And you're Teddy, and you're a bear, obviously. And you can either go on a mountain hike, or you could go kayaking. And it seems relaxing AF. So, uh, Spoiler alert. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I, I should have mentioned this earlier. Uh, you actually do play as a teddy bear in Alien Isolation. Oh, no, oh, no, no. I'm sorry. No, wait. You don't. No, no. I'm sorry. That's then not, that's not that's for not me. Right. No, that's not correct. My bad. No, I was looking at some notes. I somehow mixed that up. I don't know. You do get a flamethrower, though. Yes. Now, M, I wonder, is there a flamethrower in Teddy the Wanderer? That's the question. Absolutely not. Oh, that's a hard no. Okay, hard no on that. All right. Uh, so my last game in the bargain bin is one that, uh, that I have beaten. Uh, definitely a departure from the other two. The other two are a little bit... Um, my last pick is a cozy game. It's called The Last Campfire. Uh, it's on sale for five ninety nine uh, this week. That's down sixty percent uh, from its uh, normal price of fourteen ninety nine. Not an all time low, but it is close to its all time low. Uh, I think its all time low normally is uh, maybe four dollars and fifty cents. So not not far off. But uh, The Last Campfire is a very interesting game uh, that I did beat. It's got some little. Uh, puzzles. It uses some really basic mechanics, but it uses them in some interesting ways for you to solve puzzles. Um, you play as this little character called an ember, and basically you're trying to make your way home. Um, and uh, again, it's called The Last Campfire, and uh, it, it has a lot more heart than you might expect the game to have. You might go in, oh yeah, it's just a cutesy little character, uh, but there is definitely story there, and there is a lot of heart there. Certainly don't want to spoil any of it, because that's part of the adventure, uh, adventure for sure. But uh, there's a lot of story, a lot of heart, and a cute game, The Last Campfire. That is a cozy selection for sure. With the name like a, The Last Campfire, it could go mm -hmm. either way. Yep. It could be really cozy or it could be really scary so i didn't know where you were going with that no there, there's a couple little uh i would definitely not say it's scary i mean my children have played this game that's always a good measure you know they're not huge fans of anything scary really um no i'm just saying by name name alone game. being left in the dark in the woods 
Yeah, no, they're they're okay. It's it's certainly okay. It is it is all good. All right. So that is our bargain bin selections. Again, just to recap, we had Hades, Alien Isolation, and The Last Campfire from Me. Uh, and M told us about Yonder, The Cloud Catcher Chronicles, Dadish and Dadish 2, and Teddy the Wanderer, uh, whether it be the mountain hike or the kayaking version. Either one. All right. Now we're going to move right along to what we are currently playing. Uh, so... Uh, Dougie, why don't you get us started on this one? What is currently occupying your gaming time these days? So, um, to be completely honest, I, you, I, w- I would consider myself someone who plays a lot of video games, but recently I really haven't been. Um, I didn't put it on the list, but I've been playing a game that a lot of people have been playing, Wordle. I don't know if we're considering that, but uh, that's me- that, that takes up... You know, most of my time playing games day to day, playing Wordle. 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 No, I love Wordle. I play it every day, and I definitely would qualify it as a Which game for sure. Is is cozy? I guess it's cozy, right? Yeah. It fits. Yeah, certainly not not violent or scary in any way. Yeah. Although when you get to pick number six and you, uh, you know, are up against it, it, you, it, it's, it it's there could be much, some tense moments. Too much for anxious adults. <laughs> yeah, that's perhaps. true. Yeah, you can spoil it looking, you know, finding the answer online though. I guess if you really want to cheat. But uh, not that I've ever done that. I don't condone it. Um, so the last, I guess, quote unquote, real game that I have been playing or at least tried to play is uh, Elden Ring. So Elden Ring is um, certainly not a cozy game at all. Um, it is, for the listeners not familiar, the newest From Software game. Uh, game company I really like. They make some of my favorite games, which we'll get into a little bit later. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but uh, I've been on the PC, and um, I have had nothing but technical issue after technical issue trying to get the game to run. I eventually did get it to run, and I got to the first big, uh, I guess, real boss of the game, Marjit Fell Omen, right before he gets Stormville Castle, and uh, I got my butt whooped. Over and over and over again at Marjit's Bell Omen, which is, you know, par for the course with these kind of games. I'm like, okay, I'm going to turn it off, come back later, turn it on again, and my controller for the PC stopped working. So I, it's something that happened probably a month ago at this point, and I just have not been able to fix it. And I'm really sad no. about that. Oh, I hate yeah. when things like that. You know, um, I have never been a huge PC gamer, um, but that is something that definitely. Um, is just like one there's so many good things about playing games on the PC but that's one that can be a little challenging is trying to get it you know trying to get all the settings just right or a controller to work that can sometimes be frustrating yeah and i was going to say that that sounds like it, i've heard a lot of uh, great things my brother's playing Elden Ring he's really enjoying it uh, he's playing on the PS5 uh, though so he's playing on that so yeah but, i would uh I wish I, I got it on the console, realizing that I would have a bunch of issues. And I guess I'm not alone there, so it's no, just been no, marred by a bunch so. of technical issues trying to get it to run on PC. So that's that's disappointing. Maybe one day I'll get it to run, but uh, it's just not the case right now, unfortunately. Sure. Um, what uh, Do you have a go-to starting word for Wordle? Space. Space. Mm-hmm. Nice one. Okay. It's got the two two major vowels, A, E. It's got major consonants, mm-hmm. S and C. Okay. So No, I like yeah. it. I like it. It's not far off uh like from strategy wise from my starter word. My starter word is least. 
So L E A S T. Also good. Least. That's a great choice. Yep. So I'm trying to go. I was trying to go the um, like the Wheel of Fortune route, you know. So I think of the Wheel of Fortune letters that they give you to start oh, for a puzzle. Yeah. And then I was thinking, all right, I'll go that route. Uh, M, how about you? What's your starter word? I forgot. Squid. That's right, squid. And then and then I go to table. Squid and table. Nice. Okay. Yeah. All right. So All if right. there are no, if I don't hit any of the letters in squid, mm-hmm. then I go to table. <laughs> so my if I don't hit any in least, I go to proud. Proud oh, is my next one. Okay. So yep. So least and proud. There we go. All right, uh, Dougie. Thank you very much, M. Uh, since we're just talking about Wordle, I think it's a natural transition. What is another game that has been occupying both of our time a little bit? I know. And this occupies a lot of our time, I think. Um, More and- than I think it deserves to, frankly. But <laughs> here we are. <laughs> uh, I think we got tricked into this. Some of our friends know that we play the Wordles and the Hurdles. Mm-hmm. I only do the Wordles and the Hurdles. And trust me, I am really... My hurdle stats are through the roof. Just uh, Ex- just ridiculous. Except I will say um, this morning, because they go off of SoundCloud, some of the okay. songs don't work. Oh, no. And this morning's song didn't work. No. So... I listened to it and I gave myself the credit because it's a song that I would definitely know. It was Lisa Loeb's Stay. <laughs> what is this? Amateur hour? Yeah. Come so, on. Yeah. Well, singers, women singer songwriters who would be at the Lilith Fair in the 90s. Come on. <laughs> I mean, it might as well be on a tee for you. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um,. We've been playing Samantal, as in I see what they S- did. Okay. S-E-M-A-N-T-L-E, like semantics. Semantics, but then they added the L-E on there to try to jump on this Wordle train, I think. Yeah. Um, All right. So both Jay and I have been doing Samantal, and if you Google search Samantal, you will find it. Mm-hmm. You guess any word, any word you can possibly think of. That's it. And it will tell you if you are hot or cold. Yep. It could be any number of letters. And if you're sitting there wondering, well, how in God's name will I guess whatever word they're trying to get me to guess within six guesses? Not to worry, friends. You have slightly more than six guesses. You have unlimited as many guesses as you want, unless you have very competitive friends. Then, yes. then you have to sit there and think about it and think about it and think about it. Yes. Um, so when you're guessing on Symantel, it will tell you hot or cold, and it might say negative 10 or positive 10, and it will give you a number score. And eventually, if you're within 1,000th of a word, it will g- say... One out of a thousand, like 900 out of a thousand as you get closer. And it has to do with the semantics in a newspaper. So I think newspaper, right? 
Yeah, articles. I think it goes with articles. Articles so like, or... For example, if the word um, was crash and I put in the word car, that would probably get a very high score because there might be a lot of a lot of articles that mention a crash might also mention the word car because car and crash often are found together in an article. Or that accident. might be a pretty high. What was that one? Accident. Things so right, you, you accident. would think yeah. think of things like that. And the semantic changes at eight o'clock every night. Mm-hmm. Yep, it does. So sometimes it takes you twenty guesses and sometimes it takes you four hundred. What I like about it, because it resets around 8 o'clock East Coast time, is it's convenient because you can get frustrated about it at night before you go to bed instead of and at, then still be frustrated in the morning. Five, it's great. It's, I was going to say, instead of so at 5.30 convenient. in the morning on the toilet. <laughs> yeah, nope, nope, just be frustrated anytime. Yeah, um, but it, it, it is interesting. And now today, Em and I had the experience. We were together in the same room for a short time. Yeah. And we were able to kind of work on the semantle together. That actually made it a lot more fun. That was way more fun. Bouncing ideas off of uh, each other and just going like, try this. Oh, try that. What do you think of this? That made it more fun and, and more interactive. I really like that a lot better. I don't know how that would really translate, uh, you know, some kind of online co-op situation, but... <laughs> I did think it was interesting. I thought it was fun. I'll ask um, for, as as I do, I'll ask for hints, but mm-hmm. from Dougie in person. Yeah, there you go. I do, I do the same thing. Um, you know, I'll ask family members, uh, my Who oldest are, daughter, uh, you know, and they'll give me, she'll give me a word or my wife and, you know, we'll get there that way. All right. So, yeah, that is Samantha. Now, Samantha's not going to be an everyday one for me. But like Wordle is, but uh, it's definitely a, it's definitely a cool one for sure. All right, um, one game that I have been playing a lot of lately is Kirby and the Forgotten Land. I talked about it briefly on the last episode, um, and since then I have beaten the game. I absolutely love the game, but now I'm I'm trying to go back in and get a hundred percent. Get a hundred percent of mouthful mode. Yes, I am just trying to get a mouthful of Kirby. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Um, it is. It, it's a great, great installment. I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, and I will tell you that, you know, it definitely, of course, has cozy elements. And again, the accessibility features, I do think it make make it accessible to anyone. Uh, again, my eight-year-old daughter is playing it and making a lot of progress and having fun. But uh, I'm certainly, I'm, I'm, again, I'm trying to get 100% uh, completion. Uh, but I will tell you, some of those battles do get a little challenging, especially if you're trying to... Uh, you know, get 100%. Like some of the uh, more advanced challenges involve fighting bosses and not getting hit. Like beat this boss without getting hit at all. And that can be a bit of a challenge. So um, there's, a, there's a lot in there for everybody. But Kirby in the Forgotten Land is, is a great, great installment. Really a lot of fun. Um, and now my daughter wants to have uh, her birthday comes up in July, my youngest daughter. She's going to be nine. And we are having a Kirby-themed birthday party. So <laughs> we'll have lots of that little pink guy all over the place. Like enveloping the car, enveloping the cake. Yeah. I think I'm, <laughs> I'm going to just try to get... Now, one thing that I thought was absolutely genius... A bounce castle uh, with all the kids in it. 
That would be wonderful. Yep, a big pink bounce castle. Just, you just throw the Kirby eyes on there and you'd be all good. Uh, no, Target, when they released this game, I don't know if you saw this, but Target, you know how when you drive by Target, there's those uh, large red ball, like concrete balls outside of Target. Have you ever seen those? Yes, I don't know what the purpose of those are. So I think besides that messing up your car, right? I think they're a form of advertising, and perhaps they're a form of like, you know, making it so people can't Deterrent. drive through the front, yeah. drive through the front, like a you know, like some of those safety poles would be, but in the form of a giant red ball. Well, targets for the release of uh, Kirby and the Forgotten Land, they took. Uh, these like stretchy uh, like covers and put them over there. So those became Kirby's. Oh, so that was kind of a cool thing. And I thought that really embraces mouthful mode. So I'll just get a giant pink thing and mouthful just put it mode. over my entire car. Over your mailbox. We'll... Yeah, there you go. Perfect. Get uh, a soda machine, whatever. Over the dog. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure Bill won't mind that. Bill. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. And M, what else are you playing? I, I understand you've you've uh, been spending some time with a game that you haven't played very much of before. <laughs> no. Um, we'll we'll address this next one. Um, I'll address it and then we'll address it. Um, so, Stardew Valley. Oh yes, this uh, this little game, Stardew Valley. What's yeah. Stardew Valley? <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of it. <laughs> Never heard of it. It's not like I just spend. Most I understand of that time. you've made some serious progress so in Stardew Valley. The last time we spoke about this on the podcast, I was at forty nine percent completion, and I'm at fifty seven percent completion. Put it on the board, fifty seven percent. Which. I've just been grinding away, cooking all the recipes, crafting all the things, m- like mailing, like shipping every item. I had like raising ostriches and stuff like that. I I was mentioning things to you, and you're like, I don't even know what that is. Nope, I gotta. I'm <laughs> I'm I'm due. I'm due for another playthrough because I have not played since. Uh, for a few updates. We started so. a co-op. So the game that I'm currently playing, I started as a co-op for us because I have a bunch of save files. And I originally started this this farm for us as a co-op. And Dougie was like, I don't, I don't, this is not for me. I don't want to play this. And I'm like, okay. But I liked the way that this farm was working turning was out turning yep. out and now it's my main file and i re- i started a new farm for us <laughs> this time I'm, uh, I'm i'm getting into it i you know um not not i guess not to plug the show on the show but i am getting a lot of tips about stardew valley listening to it and there is um I guess uh, why I was turned off from it is it is just so overwhelming if you don't because I'll I'll watch M play the game mm-hmm. and she'll be yep. like okay it's now the feast of the bling blong and I'm gonna get the 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 this nut to give to this person and I know I need to do this I'm like how do you know all this She's like well, you gotta go on the wiki 
That's <laughs> I, that's you could like you got to play you got to use the wiki when you're playing this game. Like how like how could I possibly know any of this stuff? Um, but now that I've been listening to the podcast, watching M play the game, um, I want to give it another shot. So there you go. Dive back in. Oh yes, no. Just like any game about civic responsibility, you have to do your research. It's so, not, yeah, it's it's not really, I don't find using the wiki for Stardew Valley is cheating. No, I don't think so. No, every, every so. person I know who uses, who plays Stardew Valley, because it would be impossible to sit there with every single tab open and to know how to play, you have to know what you're looking for on oh, the wiki. There's just too many variables. There's too, it's too big. There's too much. It's just it's you a, couldn't you couldn't remember. I'm dealing with the trash bear yeah. right now. Um, okay. Yeah, he's down in the so, forest. Yep. Yeah. And uh, when the trash bear asks you for things, you their recipes. And again, if you're not watching the Queen of Sauce. And you don't have those recipes or you've never seen what dish or what fish the trash bear in the woods is looking for. You're going to be like, what is this creature in the woods even asking me for? Yeah, you'll just see it because it's not even a name. You'll just see a picture a, of a it. A weird like, pixelated picture. All right. You're like, what is this pink gook on a plate? Mm, great. <laughs> like, and then later you're like, oh, oh it's, it's red plate. or whatever. It's red yeah, plate. Whatever. Like... Yeah, I didn't exactly. know. It's Autumn's Bounty. Oh, of course. <laughs> Everyone's favorite recipe. So, go ahead. Go ahead, it's, There's just such an enormous amount of complexity and nuance to the game that, I mean, you know, M's been playing this game for, for years at this point, and she's only 57% complete. Like, if that doesn't speak to... And the whole game is made by one person the whole game unbelievable all this complexity all of this nuance all these game mechanics he made the soundtrack he like i think he wrote it in like he didn't use like unity or he just like wrote the game uh and did everything himself and it's just one person and that just like blows my mind it's insane oh it's so insane it's so incredible and you know again there you even if you try to take shortcuts to try to cut out some of that stuff so like gift giving is a big part of it yeah. right so you say like oh well i'll just find like a couple of things that everyone likes like quartz but so you're like oh i'm going to give this uh diamond or this precious stone but then you'll run but into then someone, someone who's like someone who hates it right someone will it, hate that and they're like no don't give me this valuable rock Get and away you're from like me. uh that set me back a bunch of money and also then it damaged your relationship with that person irreparably right. <laughs> yeah so the wiki the wiki is important and i and i think it's really cool i i, I really like it a lot well so yeah, stardew, so valley, stardew valley yes we will we're gonna talk about stardew valley finally at length next episode Yes, we will. We will. So, we will dive in. Dive in deep. Uh, because next time. I think it's like starter for where to start. Because I think when we talk about, especially for people like Dougie, Bingo. a lot of our friends, when I was talking about it to our friend Diana, it's, it's too overwhelming, I think, for a lot of people mm-hmm. to start. And it's very difficult to make money in the beginning of the game. Sure. Um, so we'll do we'll do a starter guide to Stardew Valley. Yep. 
I think that's a, I think that's a great idea. All right. Uh, the last thing that just has been occupying a little bit of my time lately has been Tetris 99. Uh, for those who don't know, Tetris 99 is, of course, the classic game Tetris, but with a different wrinkle where you're playing against 99 other players or 98 other players. I cannot recall. I don't know if you are number 100 or if you are number 99, but either way, a whole bunch of other people. So it's just like multiplayer Tetris used to be, where you were, as you get lines, you are adding uh, junk lines to other people. Uh, but there are 99 of you. So it is uh, absolute madness. Um, I have not won since I started playing again. I have won in the past. Um, but uh, I have gotten a few few top tens, a few top fives. So as far as I'm concerned, I still got it. So it's the opposite of 1010. Which yeah, is it is calming yeah. Tetris. <laughs> no, it's definitely not calming. In fact, oh, my family won't even watch me play it because they're like, no, this is just it's too much. It's too intense to even watch. But uh, it is fun. I do love Tetris. So is, is Tetris a cozy game or no? Uh, I would say <laughs> it's not, in my opinion. I would say Tetris is not a cozy game um, because even though the beginning levels might be a little cozy, it, even on standard Tetris, like marathon mode, it, it escalates pretty quickly and then it becomes pretty intense. Ten ten is a cozy game because right, that's a cozy version of it. Because I would say. you can put it on high contrast and you can just move the pieces until you go to bed. It gets a little stressful when you get a little cramped, but that's way way later. So right, right, right. Um, I will say, um, I know we don't usually talk about non. I mean, sometimes we talk about non-video games. Something that we've been doing, because, yeah, I play Stardew Valley, but for the last week in this household, (laughs) we have watched a television show called Married at First Sight. Married at First Sight. So these people are getting married much faster than it would take you to actually romance someone in Stardew Valley. It takes forever to romance yeah some of, some right mar- that's what i'm saying yeah <laughs> but these people are getting married in real life in a quicker time yeah oh absolutely okay it's it is a crazy concept the marriage rate i think success rate is what it's like 24 percent um that's actually higher than i would expect and true it's captivating television all right married at first sight um here's a question is the show just pairing these people up like there's a there's a marriage counselor a family therapist and a sociologist whose name is dr pepper frankly that sounds made (laughs) up (laughs) dr Dr. Pepper actually teaches at the I, University of Washington. <laughs> I'm going to need to see that degree. Um, I'm going to need to see it. <laughs> you could just go to any deli yeah. or grocery store. Yes, um, right. But they interviewed 65,000 people in Wash for this season in Washington, D.C. And picked, how many couples were there? Ten, Ten. people. So it was five couples. And out of those 10 people, 
one there was one successful marriage spoiler alert spoiler alert Ooh, sorry um yeah <laughs> cut that now, cut that out <laughs> honestly Wreck the the <laughs> most surprising thing from that sentence you just told me is that they found 65,000 people to interview who would even consider being on a show where they get married at first sight dating sucks uh, i, I the, I, well, I, it of, must be pretty darn I bad. I, I would never do it personally. But, you would uh, never date? No. <laughs> or you'd never get married. I wouldn't recommend first dating days. or being on the show. I wouldn't Either recommend one. dating or being married at first sight. Uh, but a lot of Both the, a lot of danger. A lot of the women on the show. Not cozy. Are, they're, they're like, I don't want to be on the apps. Like, I want to skip all that. I'm like, you can't. You can't. You you have to go through that to build a relationship with someone. Until now. <laughs> well, Welcome to and that's why Married at First Sight. And and then at the end, they're like, I feel like I don't even know this person. Because you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is an insane concept. And I read this book. It's called cool. Attached, about attachment theory. So it's okay. like... Anxious, anxious, avoidant, avoidant, and secure. And okay. that this TV show is like that book on, like, watching that book on TV. Because all of these people are, like, anxious, attract, avoidant attachment styles. And here they are. And this is why it doesn't work. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is bad. So... Yeah, it's captivating reality television. Um, sometimes in these dark, dark dystopian times, reality television is all I can uh, stomach. And there it is. It's mindless TV. <laughs> Married at first sight, the warm blanket to get us through this dark dystopian future. And that we old enough. Old enough. I I watched all of which is like it's. Oh oh, I am. Did you watch with it? This, one. this is. I did not watch it yet, but I am familiar with it. This is where they are. Uh, people are Japanese. sending yeah. in, Jap- in Japan, yeah. right? They're sending what we would consider here in America very, very yes. young children. They're like two to four years on, old. <laughs> yeah, on errands around town. And it's long. They have to walk like four blocks. Sometimes it's up like a hill. One kid was carrying all this fish. <laughs> and he dropped it down a hill. Oh no! <laughs> Several oh, times. No. Several, and he, and I will say. <laughs> so bad. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And he's crying, and I the will, mom's I, watching him, and she's like, "It's okay, keep going." <laughs> oh my goodness! It's but it's very heartwarming. Like a lot of the times, but the kids are crying, but then the parents are so proud at the end. It's very cute. All right. It's a lot of candy. And what was the name of that one again? Old, Old enough. enough. And it's Old it's enough. quick. It's like 13 I, to 20 minutes. I have always thought that that is a, I mean, it is a very interesting age and a very interesting dynamic. When you have children that are in that age, I've, you know, I have two kids myself and it's a very interesting situation where in some ways they can have so much knowledge about a particular topic that they're into. <laughs> they're telling you about all these complicated dinosaur names and things like that. But then using the potty escapes them. So it's sort of a very <laughs> weird dynamic, you know. So it, it is interesting to kind of see, like, here in America, a lot of times we would never send some kids that young to go do errands like this. And 
but yet maybe they're capable of it perhaps it's also a lot of the times it's in like rural towns where Mm, everyone knows everyone and they'll tell the shopkeeper beforehand they're like oh we're sending you know kira down to get oranges and udon noodles and then it's they usually have to stop at multiple places Man, these are some serious errands. This like, is not and just then like. She, a... And then she has to go to the jeweler to pick up her mom's watch. That was next. Whoa. Okay. And then if the kids forget, they go home and they remember, they get really upset. Okay. But then they like they rally and they go back out and they complete it and then they're really proud of themselves. That is incredible. So I All right. highly recommend that one too. That one's All like right. really uplifting if you're like having a bad day and they're again, they're quick. It's like 13 to 20 minutes. So if you need like a quick pick me up of a little child trying to do seemingly difficult tasks. It's very cozy. Sign. That is Sign cozy. Now that that's cozy, is cozy for sure. That's what I call cozy. Yeah. Now that's what I call cozy. All right. On that note, we are going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after these words. Whether you're marrying someone you've never met, you're a wealthy housewife in a major city, or you're a two-year-old trying to accomplish daunting tasks, Reality TV has got you covered. Watch it for 30 minutes. Watch it for nine hours. Real life is terrible, so watch other people on TV instead. Reality TV. It's fantastic. Welcome back to the Friends Are Far Out podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jay, and I'm here with the one and only M. Hello, everyone. And today, of course, we are also joined by our very special guest, Dougie. Howdy, howdy. Now we are going to move on to our main topic of the show uh, today. Now, we have hinted at it uh, all episode long, but here on the Friends Are Far Out podcast, we talk a lot about cozy games, but... Sometimes you find yourself browsing the eShop and you take a chance on something or perhaps a well-meaning friend drops you a suggestion and you find yourself with a not-so-cozy game. A game that is completely devoid of all chill. Today, we're talking about games that are a bit out of our comfort zone sometimes. These games have a place too, though. We are talking about some not-so-cozy games today. Now, M, it is well known to the listeners of this podcast that combat, not really for you. Combat usually. is not for me. I'll, I think I'll make a few exceptions if it's like cute. Here and there, I think you will, right? With Stardew Valley, um, with my time at Porsche. Mm-hmm. But... It has to be, like, very, very... I have to, like, level up my weapons so I can, like, just breeze through it. Yeah, I, you want to just brute force it. You want to be OP going in there and just really take them out. However, in this household, um, there's two ends of the video game spectrum and not really anything in the middle. So we have the cozy 
and games for children and anxious people. Everything that's promoted on this podcast. And then we have the games that Dougie plays. So... (laughs) There's a little bit of overlap. There's... I would say that the one overlap that we all know about is Boyfriend Dungeon. Yes. Uh... The one overlap is Boyfriend Dungeon, which we... we and Point and Click Adventures. Yes, we, we both enjoy Point and Click Adventures. So when I played Norco, he watched me play Norco. Um, and, I mean, I, I've played so many Point and Clicks, and I have a lot of them on the iPad. So he plays a lot of the point and clicks on the iPad, like Thimbleweed Park. Oh, yeah. He's playing Techno Babylon on the iPad. Um, but. Otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, there's no overlap, no overlap <laughs> whatsoever. Um, if I have to watch, like, any, like, violent or scary. Or um, what's what's the one with the the lady? That is the sequel to. Well, it's also called Amnesia. Amnesia. It's, uh, yeah. That was the sequel to Amnesia. Amnesia was uh, a rough one for me to watch. So right, some of them you not only do not want to play some of these games, you don't even want to be. I around don't even want to be being around. Several of these games that we're going to discuss, I wouldn't even want to have M in the same room watching because she'd be like, nope, and leave. Yep. <laughs> no, and you don't want to do that. But yeah. M, what are some games that you found yourself playing where you were kind of like, oh, this is a little more than I bargained for, perhaps, or this one is not quite as cozy as so, I was either hoping or maybe expected? I'll give you a few titles that I played at length. Either okay. I played... Yeah, because that can happen from time to yeah, time. So In fact, we were just talking about uh, a game that I just downloaded. I haven't played it yet, but Garden Story we were just yeah, talking I about. Yeah, I actually played a and lot of And you were saying that you did play some of that, yeah. but uh, that had a little bit too much combat in it. And I I gave but up. But you kind of bounced off that. I bounced yeah, off. Yeah, you kind of bounced off that I one. rolled yeah. off because I it was just too much. Even though it was cutesy, it was, I liked mm-hmm. it. Um, it was just too much. But... Right. I think now, like presently, there's so many, there's, there's so much more choice in the cozy game mm-hmm. category than there yep. was. Um, so I've always loved video games, but there wasn't always this cozy choice. So I played Fable 2... In its entirety. <laughs> Which I'm Whoa. impressed about. Because um, there's a lot of combat. But if you've played Fable 2, you can realize why I would play it in its entirety. <laughs> have you played Fable 2? I have not, no. Um, I mean, I'm familiar with the Fable franchise, but well, I have not Fable played 2. Fable 2, I think, is the best one. And Fable 2... You have a dog companion that you can oh, okay. you can put him in a bow tie. He has like you can get little accessories for him, and I don't think I'm giving any spoilers because this game is what like over a 20, decade old. Yeah. 
15 years old. Yeah. Uh, um, if if you're worried about that, feel free to jump ahead by a little bit. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> I highly doubt. So this game was terrifying for me. It, it, like, it, I remember there's one point, and I don't remember what it's called, but you go through this village. It's like sunken village. And there are banshees covering their faces and they whisper horrible things at you. And then when you walk too close to them, they uncover their faces and attack you. And it is horrifying (laughs) and really scary. Do I ever think I would play that again? No. At the end of Fable 2... Your dog dies. Your dog sacrifices himself for you. No. So at the end of Fable 2, when when you win the game, you're given a choice. You can bring back all the people who died, which mm-hmm. doesn't really have any effect on the game. So that's like a stupid, like, like I mean, yeah, it's altruistic, I guess. That would be a civically responsible thing to do. <laughs> it matters to their digital families. Yeah. Um, you could have unlimited money, or what do you think the third option is? <laughs> Bring back your dog? And, and which do you think I, I chose? <laughs> Sorry, other digital families. My dog's coming back. So I finished that entire game to bring my dog back in his bow tie. (laughs) There you go. And that was a long, like, a lot of gameplay. I remember around that same time, Bioshock came out, too. And I played a little bit of Bioshock, and I was like, no way. (laughs) This is not for me. Uh, no cute dogs in that one that you have to rescue. Uh, Bioshock, I played um, Dragon Quest Builders. I have that on the Switch. And it's a, I like the building aspect of it, but there's so much combat in that game mm. that I never finished it because it was just so much combat. Okay. Um, so just a little bit too much for you. Because but you played a but you played a good amount. Of I it. played hours and hours and hours, but it would give yeah. me so much anxiety because to build you needed materials, and the materials came from the combat. Uh oh. Yep. No, that's not a good pattern. Um, Skyrim, I played a lot of because I again I like going around in the villages. I like talking to people. I like going through their dresser drawers. I like blacksmithing. But I don't like going from town to town and getting attacked by things and werewolves and other things. I just want to be a snooping blacksmith. Yeah. Where's that game? Yeah, like where... Why can't I... <laughs> I that's, that's really all, all I wanted. Um, and then uh, I, I also played Fallout. That blows oh, my okay. mind. I played through, what is it, Fallout 3, and then I... The one in Washington D.C. Yeah, I played that in the entirety of that. That's Fallout that Three. Did you then try? New I tried Vegas? New Vegas, and I did not like it because it's so out in the open that that gave me so much anxiety, and I did not play that. So, like, that, I am very surprised so that you Fable played those. Fable Two, Fable Two, Bioshock, all like those 
those came out around the same time and there was not a lot of cozy gaming options. That's true. That is an interesting take. You know, I, I've been always been someone who I, I enjoy a wide variety of games, so I love the cozy games, and I love that we talk about cozy games, but I've played a lot of games throughout my whole life, and I continue to enjoy a lot of different games. But that is a really interesting take that, you know, um, of course you realize there's so many more options with the different eShops and things like that now, um, that, you know, independent games are able to find a place and find an audience, but that wasn't always the case. You know, you had your you had your Animal Crossings and things like that, oh. but those were few and far between. And Animal Crossing, I've been playing since I was fifteen, younger. I don't know, right? But mm -hmm. there were just so there were no Animal Crossing like games. There, I'm not really a platformer, but I would play like Starfy. I had Starfy mm -hmm. on the DS that I really liked. I talked about Ghost Trick. There were games like Pokemon is always a great game. Mm -hmm. But like how long those are years like between all of those games to come out. Yeah, absolutely. And even if even if you were to pick up a game like A Harvest Moon, which is a precursor to Stardew Valley yeah. or something like that, those were much more final. Like they had their course, they had their story, you and made it through. And then you're done. It, it wasn't like a Stardew Valley where it was so sprawling and constantly updated. Remember, you know, we're, we're talking about times where a game shipped and that was it. Yeah. We're not really talking about an update of any kind. It's That's it. It shipped. Here it is. Here's the experience. And Enjoy I think it. I liked, like, the Fable 2. I liked, like, the Fallout because you got to walk around. You got to talk to people. You got to open things. You got to, like, pick locks. I liked that aspect, but I just did not mm. like the combat. So there were so... And they were really beautiful games for... I mean, they still are. But for that, when they came out, it was, like, mind-blowing. Like, look at this game. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, I played those yep. games. I don't think I'd ever play them again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm waiting for Bear and Breakfast. <laughs> yes. I'll be over here oh. waiting for Bear and Breakfast. Bear and Breakfast. Yeah. Bear and Breakfast yeah. number one. All right. So I will let uh you and Dougie take over from here now that you're All gonna... right. So that was an a really interesting take and again a really uh, a really great perspective that I think was important to bring up. Now Dougie when you and I were sitting down and we were thinking about what to talk about for the show. We said, you know, really, when we were talking about games that are not so cozy, there's a few different reasons a game could not be that cozy. Right. You know, there's some intensity that can come from just the, you know, moment to moment gameplay. But then there can be all the trappings around it, the the, the scenery and the characters and the, just the mood that they're going. Certainly. For, you know. Yeah. So. Uh, let's start off with uh, like the intensity category. Let's talk about some of the games that fall uh, that are not so cozy because they are so intense. <laughs> yeah, um, M really brought up a good point with uh, her list of games because um, you know games need a mechanic in order to be a game, right? So there needs to be a gameplay mechanic, and mm -hmm. um, what makes a game cozy is that the mechanic is something that is not anxiety inducing i guess so when she came to me and said hey 
I want you to talk about games that are not necessarily cozy. I took it and ran with it and and really tried to find games that pushed it into just an extreme <laughs> category that were 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 way on the other end of the spectrum. So yeah, we're not talking about stuff that. Well, this is kind of straddling the edge of. No, we're not. We're not having that conversation. It's, uh, we're going extremely. Uh, no chill whatsoever. It is. Yeah. So, the first game I want to discuss is something that you cannot find on the Switch, and I, you know, a lot of the games you discuss on this podcast are games that are primarily found on the Switch. So I guess preface that um so i I talked a little bit before about um this game elden ring so elden ring was developed by this uh, game company called from software um Mm -hmm. which is a game company that i guess was put on the map for making the souls games so they made a series of video games that had uh, souls in the title started with demon souls and then they had a trilogy of dark souls so dark souls one two and three um because of this game that i'm going to talk about bloodborne uh they then categorized this subgenre of action rpg hack and slash game uh into what's called soulsborne games so a Soulsborne mm-hmm. game, I guess just very briefly, is uh, a action RPG game. So it's it's an RPG game where there's uh, real-time combat. It's not turn-based, like a, like a Final Fantasy mm-hmm. or something. Um, and right. the um, combat is centered around stamina management. So you have... Yep. Um, typically in, in these games, you'll have three on your HUD, on your, on your heads up display, you'll have, uh, your HP, your health, you'll have yep. like a mana bar, or like a magic bar or something. Yep. Um, and then you'll have uh, a stamina bar. So every time you do anything in the game, uh, it depletes this stamina bar. Um, and, uh, you, you need to. Uh, that's sort of one of the hallmarks of these games. So you have this this bar that really makes you thoughtful of the actions you're performing in the game in terms of like combat, movement, etc. So when you swing your sword, it costs a little bit of your stamina bar. When you roll away from an attack from an enemy, it costs your stamina bar. When you're running, it costs your stamina bar. Um so you have to manage your stamina, and it makes you very thoughtful of your of your actions. I think the absolute best Soulsborne game in terms of mechanics, and um, and I and and I've played all of these games a bunch of times. I beat Dark Souls one probably like five six times. I played through two and three. Um, I've played this game Bloodborne for. Uh, so there's Bloodborne, and then there's a, a DLC, the Old Hunters, um, and I, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna show my noob card here. So I, I beat and I played through and beat the the main Bloodborne game probably like five or six times. It's one of my favorite games, um, which even isn't that much for people that are like really into the Soulsborne games. Like they'll play through these games like dozens and dozens and dozens of times. Oh, I've heard that. Yeah. Yes. Um, over and over and over. So um, 
you know, uh, but I mean, it's a big time suck. I just don't have the time. So, um, you know, I played through these games a bunch of times. Uh, in a Dark Souls game, the feel of the combat is a lot slower. So you're, you know, rolling around, like you're, you're rolling around, you're sort of waiting for a, a point that you can attack. Um, you're being really sort of conservative with uh, your attacks and and just you know it's 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 very like sort of conservative play style i guess with blood so, somewhat methodical like yeah i, I methodical, hear a lot about people learning the, learning the bosses yeah and learning like the different times where they might be able to find an opening right yeah it, that's part it's of a it. big part because of the these boss games battles. have a reputation yeah. for being these these games have a reputation for being really punishing you know, like if you go in there just trying to slash, just trying to go crazy without thinking, that could sometimes really not work out. Yeah, it's kind of like a rhythm game. Or if it's, you know, right. I uh, heard these games compared to something like Guitar Hero or like Rock Band or something. And I don't think that comparison's mm -hmm. too far off because of the way the game kind of teaches you how to play, it is rhythm based in a way um anyway so bloodborne is my favorite because it is all aggression it is all you got to go in there you have to attack you have to be it's a much faster game than than dark souls um and it's a game that you can really appreciate with the context of dark souls so dark souls kind of teaches you the mechanics of this of this gameplay style with the stamina management and the estis flasks flat bleh, flasks so you have like a limited health pool regeneration you have the estus flask mm -hmm. um right. and uh and you know the, the bloodborne sort of takes those mechanics and then just pushes them to the extreme so your movement's faster um you have what's called a rally system so when you get attacked by an enemy it will okay. drop your health bar but then there is a certain amount of health you can regain back when you go back in and attack the enemy so it teaches you to be very aggressive um, if you're like attacked by an enemy, you need to go right back in. If you don't want to use, uh, your, your blood or your Estus flask blood vial on that game. The thing with, with the FromSoft games is they re they rename their mechanics like from, from, uh, game from, to game. yeah. So it's like bonfires yeah. or dark souls. And then in, in bloodborne, it's like a, 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 a lantern and in Elden ring, it's, it's a, it's a, I don't, a seed of grace or a sight of grace. I don't know, but it's the same mechanic over and over and over. So anyway, you, you sort of learn the mechanic from, from dark souls. And then in bloodborne, it just like makes it super intense and super aggressive and almost like an, like just a flat out action game. And it's, it's so good. And the story without spoiling it too much, it gets into, um, it gets into like HP Lovecraft territory. It just like blows okay. your mind. Like the more you play the game, it folds in on itself. It's so, I can't like recommend it enough. So that is one of the best, one of my favorite games. One of the best games I've played. I wouldn't recommend this. But yeah, absolutely. And you know, so again, that in, we would never classify, I think a Dark Souls game as a cozy game, but then to hear that Bloodborne takes it a whole nother level up and makes it that much more intense. It's like, oh my goodness, for sure. Uh, you know, that is definitely uh, an action-packed game with really no cozy elements to be found there. 
No, I was going to say another one that, um, you know, one that we've both played that, again, um, uh, has a lot of high energy uh, is the is a game Hades that we referenced earlier, which is on sale. And uh, Hades is, though, a very different game than Bloodborne, for sure. It definitely is, again, high action. There are just, on some of these uh, little rooms that you enter, it's sort of room-based. Some of these rooms, you just got enemies coming from every angle. Every angle, there are enemies coming in at you. And um, depending on what kind of build you have for that run, you know, in Hades, as you um, progress, you get these different boons that uh, give you different powers and abilities. So each playthrough is a little bit different because your your, uh, sort of build that you are constructing is somewhat randomized and a little different. But uh, And your weapon choice, you have some weapon choices going in. But either way, it makes for some really intense encounters. Oh, yeah. For sure. And it's that intensity that I think makes Hades, though an excellent game, but again, not very cozy. Not very cozy. Yeah. it's um, I It makes me see the appeal of, of roguelikes uh, because I guess the appeal of a roguelike is every time you play it, you're really kind of playing a different game. Um, mm-hmm. So... You know, when you're starting out uh, in the in the first level, uh, you know it really kind of determines your play style based on the boons you get, right? So the boons are are your um, uh, so you can choose your your main weapon going into the dungeon because it's it's like a dungeon crawler roguelike. So like the first dungeon you go yep. into, you choose your weapon. Um, and that you know that determines like your DPS, your damage per second, and your your range, and all these different things. And um, and then the boons add uh, modifiers, so there can be like an AOE to to like when you throw the when you throw the the spear, right? Is that that's one of the weapons from what I remember? Um, yep. And you get yep. the you can get the Zeus one, and that'll add like lightning bolts, and then that just completely changes how you play the game. So that's the appeal of a of of a roguelike um mm-hmm. and uh uh it was fun i uh you know i gotta hand in my gamer card i haven't beaten i mean i haven't put in too many hours to hades put in maybe like 15 i'm sure people are like i beat it in two, in two hours but you know not that good i am not that person i i had to plug away at it for I, quite a bit i did not get good uh, but i did i did finally make it to the end and there is that sense of satisfaction you do feel yourself getting better but that is only through that trial though and error you know that sure you know, yeah it depends on your build for sure but it also you know it kind of depends a little bit on the um on just you know how you know experienced you are working through it you know yeah uh trying to get used to dealing and and managing sometimes those huge hordes of enemies you know um uh, the third game we were going to talk about also again um <laughs> yeah you kind of get into a flow state sometimes where you're just sort of uh you know it, it's very high energy very fast yeah. uh that game Doom Eternal now you've played a lot more of this one than I have but yeah. uh talk a little bit about Doom Eternal so, because yeah. now Doom going back to its roots certainly never cozy I mean no. <laughs> even when we were talking about the original Doom not a cozy game for sure. I mean, we're uh, fighting these demons. Yeah. So it's um, the, right. So the original Doom, you know, it was a 
it was like one of the original first person shooters came out in like 93 or 94 or something um so they rebooted the game a few years ago i think 2016 um, i think that's right yep. so it was doom and it created this really awesome formula so um you run around these basic so in this genre of game the first person shooter uh, when you play it multiplayer, you play what's called a death match. A death match mm-hmm. is um, where you're in this enclosed arena with other people and uh, you run around going like, oh, you're running like 100 miles an hour and you jump like 15 feet in the air. Like you, you're just like this insane, like, like you're like a NASCAR, like running around this this environment, and you're picking up all these guns and health pickups and etc. Um, and you know you're trying to to kill or frag the other players, um, you know, in in this environment. So it's like this enclosed like an arena. So you're in this like arena, like mm-hmm. a gladiatorial mm-hmm. arena, running around, picking up weapons, picking up ammo, picking up health as fast as you possibly can just like just like breakneck you know super intense um reflex based gameplay and that's what dooms 2016 based its entire gameplay loop off of you're like in these enclosed environments all these demons are rushing at you as fast as possible really aggressively um and the game encourages you to enter into these super intense aggressive scenarios with all these uh you know with 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 the 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 enemies in the game um and there's a mechanic called the glory kill so you go in when you stagger Mm -hmm. an enemy Mm -hmm. you stagger an enemy and they're um they're uh they're in a uh like a like a wounded state and they're they start flashing and then you kind of stunned. A yeah, little. they're stunned. And then you can go up to them and you you perform what's called a glory kill where you just do this brutal, basically, execution with your hands. Like you'd like rip their head off with your bare hands or you like extremely graphic, yeah, like, <laughs> extremely graphic, very. Yeah, like like just like NC-17 levels of violence. And um, oh, for sure. And and so what doom eternal did was take that formula and just make it even more extreme so um it gives you uh more mechanics to play with in the game so Mm -hmm. like uh there's things in in doom eternal that aren't in doom 2016 like a like a uh like like a uh like a flamethrower so um it really limits the amount of ammo that you receive for your guns. So you're constantly running out of ammo for all your different guns. You can't just like rely on your favorite gun to kind of breeze through no. the, the death matches with the demons. And, uh, you know, so you run out of ammo and then, uh, it, it, it always kind of puts you out of your comfort zone as you're constantly playing the game. It's like so genius how they, how they, they like, just created the mechanics of this game so you're always out of your comfort zone you have very little ammo how you replenish ammo in the game is you have a chainsaw which has always been a staple since the first doom game Mm -hmm. and then you go up to an enemy and you you literally chainsaw them in half like you and you see the whole animation so it's not very cozy so you see the chainsaw literally cut the 
the demon in half and you see all their entrails like fall out and then like you uh you collect all the ammo and that's how you get ammo so the ammo comes out when you chainsaw the demon um and then uh and that's the gameplay loop and it's just it just it's a lot more difficult too so they really ramped up the difficulty of encounters Mm -hmm. um and and the 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 sort of timing like the reflex based gameplay um so yeah which is a game you can find on the switch which is great there you go surprisingly but yeah you can find it on the switch so uh m are we ready to give that one a shot no all right that's another pass on that one another pass on that one but i've heard that one is so interesting because you're again you're doing that constant juggle of the chainsaw to this gun to that gun to you know you're kind of switching it up all the time To try to sort of juggle that uh, that ammo scarcity that you were talking that about. That sounds like the world's worst circus act. No thanks. No, that's a pass. It's a pass for M. All right. Well, uh, moving right along, the <laughs> other kind of group of non-cozy games that we were talking about, uh, as we said, games that sort of use their atmosphere and use uh, kind of fear, uh, you know, to as really a, an important element um and uh, the first one we want to talk about is another one from the bargain bin this week and that is alien isolation now this game one i think this game was genius because it really made you feel you know we, we've seen the alien movies and you always you were worried for for ripley and the other members of the nostromo or whatever you you were worried for them but with Alien Isolation, it did such a great job of putting you in the shoes of one of those crew members and what it would be like. The terror, and I say the word terror, of having to deal with being hunted by the alien. Oh, yeah. Um, one visceral moment from this game uh, is when you hide in a locker. You can hide yourself in a locker to try to, you know, get out of sight and hide from the alien. And you realize you can hear your own breathing and your heart beating Mm -hmm. in the locker. And it is such a cool moment. Well, and, uh, you know, the mechanic, if the alien's in the room trying to find you while you're in the locker, uh, you have to hit a button to hold your breath. Because if you don't... You have to lean and and so um, uh, I'll just launch off into talking about this because I I just have like so much to say about this game. Um, sure, it's, it is. Uh, I don't see how a game can be scarier than Alien Isolation purely because of its mechanics. Um, it's a game that uh, was sort of in a line in the early 2010s. Um, there were so horror is probably one of my favorite just genres of stuff. So like movies, TV shows, books, video games. I just I love mm-hmm. horror. So mm-hmm. um, uh, Alien, Aliens. You talked about those uh, earlier in the podcast. You know my favorite sci-fi movies of all time, and they're vastly different. You know, so Alien is is a is a haunted oh, wildly. Yeah, Alien is a haunted house movie in space. And then yep. um, it establishes the alien as this, uh, you know, uh, unstoppable killer, basically. And then aliens fills an entire planet 
with those creatures um, that are you find out aren't necessarily unstoppable but are almost unstoppable and it just like ramps up the mm-hmm. tension it's genius like the way they they went from alien aliens anyway so oh and i mean and aliens is just it's like a full-on action yeah, movie. It is, so we go sure. from yeah. you know yeah. yeah so um alien isolation uh cops the aesthetics and atmosphere and mood um and mechanics of alien of the of the uh you know the ridley scott alien from the 70s um, definitely Yep. Um, and Creative Assembly, the developer, um, there's there's a bunch of videos you can watch. You can go on like YouTube and like watch these videos on the making of Alien Isolation. And um, Fox gave them all of these, like this like this treasure trove of data of of the movie that they can sort of recreate the aesthetic of in the game. It's just it's incredible how they made this game. It's so cool. But um, this game came out of a line of what I would call uh no combat horror games which i think started with a game that m brought up before called amnesia the dark descent which was i think the first one i think no so that developer had other games before that but amnesia was kind of the first big one so uh it's a game where the whole mechanic is you running away from monsters because you cannot defend yourself and um yes that uh and then there's another another big one outlast that i like a lot that i will never have m watch in a million years because it'll give no that's another one give her that PTSD. I've, I've played a little bit of that one yeah it'll give m ptsd yep. seeing outlast so she's never gonna watch outlast but um alien isolation is is the is the uh the the apotheosis to use the five dollar word of of that uh of that uh um you know style of game so it is it is per- it's a perfect horror game like it is it i cannot like rave enough about it so it's a game where uh it captures the aesthetics perfectly of the first alien game and it's almost like a unicorn like this game's never going to be made again so um it's uh you know a game where the tension it, they're so careful with like the tension in the game you don't see the alien until like the fifth level or something you're like a few hours into the game and then and mm-hmm. then it just smacks you over the head with difficulty and it just really makes you realize how difficult it is to deal with this alien um they did something in the game where there's an ai tether with the alien so the alien doesn't know specifically where you are uh in the game and the whole game by the way for the people who've never played it um you play as ripley's daughter amanda on this mm-hmm. um ship called the Sevastopol and you are brought mm-hmm. onto the ship uh, by the the evil corp Wayland Utani in in the alien universe because they say that it might have the whereabouts of your mother you've been trying to find your mother because at the end of alien spoiler alert, you get like jettisoned off of the the Nostromo um, uh, and into space and like you're lost forever so um, Amanda Ripley Ellen Ripley's daughter is trying to find her on uh the ship the the sevastopol and lo and behold there's aliens on the nostromo Mm -hmm. they're trying to kill you so uh the alien that's stalking you uh, the ai script for the alien knows kind of the general area that you're in but not specifically Mm -hmm. where you are and then it uses it's it's like you know sensors to try to find you and that's the entire game it is it's like 
it's like living through it's like a 20 hour panic attack it's great it really is it's excellent um and yeah. I've ta- I feel like I've talked at length about it at this point. I don't want to bore the listeners. So, uh, so no, I, we are getting a little long. Yeah. Uh, we are getting a little long on time. So I do think we're gonna narrow it down and just talk about um, maybe one more just pair of games that we kind of have together on here. <laughs> um, uh, because now, again, that uh, the Alien Isolation definitely is sort of that sort of defenseless you know, horror feel to it. Um, but these other two definitely, I think, find their way into the horror genre, but you're not quite as defenseless maybe in these games. Yeah. Um, and those are two sort of series of games. Uh, we have the Silent Hill series and the Resident Evil series. Yeah. Now, wh- where, what's your story with these? Uh, with these? Oh, God, I've been playing. Where, where did you first play these games? Were you playing them back on? Oh, yeah. On way back in PlayStation? The day. Yeah. Or? The first one I played was, uh, so Silent Hill, Resident Evil, um, survival horror. So Alien Isolation is also called a survival horror game. I guess it is. Uh, I think that's more a specific genre of games that came out in the 90s, maybe early 2000s. Mm. So like there's like fixed camera angles and um, you have like inventory management. So there's only like a specific amount of bullets you can hold and, you know, sure, et cetera. Right. So, um, yeah, resident evil two, uh, I played when I was bef- earlier than 10 years old. <laughs> uh, when did that game came out? 1998. So I would have been 10. So, uh, 1998. Um, yeah, I got that right when it came out i was really excited to play that and then it just like blew my mind so um i'll talk specifically about uh the the newer resident evil games then i want to end on silent hill so um the uh some of the best survival horror that has come out in the past few years has been the newer in my opinion the newer resident evil games um so started with resident evil 7 uh and then went on to um, a remake of the earlier Resident Evil games two and three, and then they just came out with Resident Evil eight last year, um, which was less survival horror. But um, the remake of Resident Evil two is um, pro- one of the best survival horror games slash video games I think I've ever played. It's it's a it's a complete remake of Resident Evil two, um, and uh, I'll. I'll try to speed it up a little bit. So um. I, I have that one as well, and I played a little bit of that okay. on Xbox. It was an excellent, excellent job. Yeah. They did an excellent job remaking that yeah. game. I played it in its original form, and I played most of the remake as well, and it, it is very, very good. Got a lot of attention when it came out, and yeah. rightfully so. It, another kind of unicorn. Like The graphics are spectacular, um, but the, game, the gameplay mechanics are so ancient like it really felt like I was playing, you know, and, and, you know, I'm playing these games on like the hardest difficulty <laughs> that you can. So I am not for uh, the, for the record. So no. I guess doing <laughs> that, um, it, it really felt like I was playing an early resident evil game. So, you know, resident evil two, it's set in, in this just huge ornate police station for some reason. Yep. Um, Yep. In in this 
fictional town, Raccoon City. Uh, There's a zombie outbreak. Uh, The Umbrella Corporation is this evil corporation that released the T-virus, and it turns all these people into zombies. So there's a zombie outbreak, but also it's just not zombies. There's these other creatures. And then when you play the B scenario, so there's two characters you're playing. You're playing as Claire and Leon. And then uh, yes. when you when you do your B scenario, um, I might be misremembering this. Separated, yeah, right? you're playing through. So, it's sort of like two stories that do interact yeah. at times. But. So you can either choose Claire, you can choose as Leon. It's two different playable characters, and for the most part, it's the same game you're playing. But then it it's diverges in different parts. Um, mm-hmm. So, but at some point in the game, and I feel like I'm misremembering this because this is how it was in the original game. Um, a character called mr x literally starts Mm -hmm. chasing you this giant like 10 foot creature in a in a trench coat just stalks you throughout the entire game after he's hunting yeah and then it just like ramps up the difficulty that's the thing i love about these horror games is like you think it can't get any more worse and then the game finds a way to make it worse and you have to adapt and i just i love that i love that about horror games so that is Resident Evil 2. And that's, I'll say yeah. about and it again, to wrap you know, it up. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah. And again, when we talk about cozy games, I see M making lots of faces <laughs> as we have this discussion. And uh, it's because, again, we went extreme. When we decided, hey, let's exactly. do an episode where we talk about some not cozy games. Again, we are not dealing with anything that is even on the continent of cozy games. So we take a scary game like Resident Evil 2, and then we're like, oh, yeah, and also you're being hunted actively. Yeah, we're really ramping up. We're ramping it up to 11 here with this. So Yeah. Um, yep. All right. So let's finish it out. We want to finish it out by talking about Silent yeah. Hill. Yeah, right? so I want to talk specifically about Silent Hill and uh, Silent Hill 2. So in Silent Hill 2, it is one of the best survival horror slash video games, I think, like, critically it, it's just like constantly mm-hmm. appraised um, and I won't really get into the game. I want to bring it up specifically because there's a secret ending with a Shiba Inu. So you can go and pet a dog. And, hey, uh, M, are we on board now? With We can just make it through all no. the... <laughs> well, still no. All right. Still, still a no. Okay. All right. Well, I thought we might have had her there we'll and still she'd be willing it. to suffer yeah. through the horror. Even though... My Milo is part sheep. Still no. <laughs> no, still not there. All right. Well, I'll I'll just I'll describe the game briefly, and then I'll go into this secret ending. So the game, sure. Um, there's this horror game franchise, Silent Hill, it takes place in this New England town called Silent Hill, and uh, it's basically hell. So you, <laughs> so you're this character, and uh, you. Uh, you go through all these, um, t- you know, it's very surreal. So the game's very inspired by things like uh, the movie Jacob's Ladder, and which is a horror movie from the 90s, and uh, uh, David Lynch, specifically Twin Peaks. Um, and Em's looking at me like, yeah, of course you like this. Yeah. So anyway, so it's, it's this horror franchise. Um, there's like the, all this lore with the game I'm not going to go into with like, occult stuff and there's like a cult in the town and like they worship a demon and whatever so i'm not gonna go into that but um second game you play as this guy james um and your dead wife mary 
sends you a letter saying that uh, you can find her in the town of Silent Hill. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not going to spoil. There's like a big twist in the game. I'm not going to spoil it. You go to the game. You literally go to hell. Like they call it, I think in the game they call it the other world, but it's like hell. Like you, you go into these different environments and then they just like change shape. They become all non Euclidean, so like it like the walls kind of warp around and it like it it just there's like all this like gore all over the place and like rusty like walls and it's just gross so uh you're in hell and then um you're going through this like arduous ordeal you're in hell you're like killing all these monsters there's like this crazy creature in the game called the pyramid head he has like a big pyramid on his head with like a giant mm-hmm. knife it's just like insane and then he just he drags yeah. it behind him it yeah. like it like uh i don't even think he like he can't even he's not even like carrying it's like it horrifying it's completely he's... disturbing um yeah yeah so disturbing so anyway um there's a secret ending in silent hill 2 where uh you you enter a room and then um you find this giant control panel like this giant colorful control panel uh, and then okay. operating the control panel is is a Shiba Inu, is a dog. And then James uh. Sunderland, the main character of the game, goes, wait, are you the one behind all this? And then the dog's basically like, yeah. And then goes and licks your face. And then the game ends. And then uh, there's this ridiculous like credit sequence where there's this pop, this like insane pop song with like, with with dog bark so it's like bark 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 and like that's it and that's the whole game so that's it i just wanted to bring that up i want to end that on that happy note i thought that was cozy i think that's perfect and you do pet the dog i think that's perfect M. after hearing that one more check are we in on that no all right fair enough no still a no all right you know we tried we tried all right uh dougie thank you so much for being with us today that has this has been awesome having you with us M, do you want to tell us where people can find us on social media yes you can follow us on social media on instagram we are friends are far out on twitter we are fafo pod that's f is in frank a is in apple f is in frank O is in Olive and Pod as in podcast. On Reddit, we are Friends Are Far Out. On the web, we are friendsarefarout.com. We have an email address. You can send us an email. We are friendsarefarout at gmail.com. On Facebook, you can like us on Facebook. Friends Are Far Out and eventually we'll be on Twitch. We are Friends Are Far Out there as well. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Episode eight. We are done. We wrapped it up. I know. I can't wait until next week when we're back to normal. (laughs) Yes. Em, are you okay? Let's just to get a quick, (laughs) quick check. Are you? No. A little bit of trauma. A little bit of trauma. That's okay. We're going to, we're going to rest up. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to take it easy and we'll be back in a couple of weeks uh, with, uh, we, we'll be back to normal, cozy as Stardew ever. Valley. We're oh, regular man. Stardew Valley programming. Just we'll let it wash over us. All right, this has been another episode of the Friends Are Far Out podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Jay, and I'm M. 
And again, we want to say a big thank you to Dougie for joining us this week. Uh, please remember that if you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you get the show. That can really help us out, uh, help us gain uh, you know, uh, some listeners and the algorithm. Uh, also, of course, tell a friend about the show, because as the name implies, friends are far out. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Bye for this week. Bye.